Welcome everyone to our five-week series called Let's Start with Jesus. And today is our week two, and it is about where do we go to learn about Jesus? The people who have encountered Jesus the most intimate ways, including and especially people who knew Jesus in the flesh 2,000 years ago. The New Testament is the very best book that ever was or ever will be known in this world. Charles Dickens. In the Bible, we learn what God's activity has looked like in the past so that we will recognize it when it is unfolding right in front of us. We discover what God sounds like so that we can hear when God continues to speak. We learn what God loves so we can be alert for opportunities to stir that delight. We learn what God dreams of so we can begin to live that dream. Megan Larissa Good. The Bible is not a list of rules, but a love story. Whoever then thinks that he understands the Holy Scriptures or any part of them, but puts such an interpretation on them as does not tend to build up into the twofold love for God and the neighbor, does not yet understand them as he ought. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good. The Apostle Paul. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, said Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So today, we are going to dive deeper and learn where do we go to learn about Jesus. That's my fault. That's not yours, Andrew. I'm so sorry. Okay, so we're going to start over so that those of you online can see more than me just doing. All right, Lord, this is important, and uh, I thank you for bloopers and blunders and arcade games, but we are wanting to be your people in our generation. So help us now. So back to Jesus's words in John chapter 5. You can find that. I, I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. I just brought one verse out of a series of verses where Jesus is making a case where he's saying, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. And his audience were people that thought they were the experts in the scriptures. So he is communicating to 
basically what would be equivalent of your professors saying to them, um, oh, by the way, you think you know, but I know because it's about me. Okay, now you see why the Pharisees wanted to push him off a cliff. They wanted to, to plot ways to kill him because they were not seeing what Jesus was saying. And they were like, there's just no way. So here's my, here's my case today. This is what my point behind the entire teaching is. Either Jesus was crazy or he spoke the truth. There's no, there's no in between. And as I said last week, I am tailoring this, this series. I am trying to direct it in a way that is to those of you that don't believe, because I want you to believe like I do. Um, but I also want to tailor this to the rest of us as an audience, because as we'll find out today, it's important that we know how to talk about what God's been doing. You can't just invite people to church. You have to have words to say and a life that lives with it in order for people to really believe in Jesus. I had a chance this Friday to sit on a picnic bench at our Patterson Park location with a person in the community that does not go to church, claims to be spiritual. Um, fantastic conversation. But that conversation was proof that we need this teaching. Okay, I, I, I want us to understand the, the weight of this. And I, I know that some of us are getting back into the habit of coming to church, and some of us block literally 60 minutes, and you're scheduling appointments at 11.45 or 12. Let me just tell you, that's not going to, you know, you'll miss the end of most of our services if you don't plan on being here till 12, all right? Just an hour and a half, that's, but we're going to try to be concise and help you, but you're going to, um, you're going to find that we just want to be together. We're coming out of a pandemic, we're in a pandemic, where we're trying to continue to talk about Christ. So today, we're going to talk about how we learn, and how we know the things that we know, and who we trust. I want you guys to let that process on you. Because if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to want to know, well, where do I go to learn about him? How do I know the things, and then who do I trust to talk about him? Because that's kind of how we learn, because I firmly believe that there's not a person in this room that learns outside of relationship. We all learn in relationship. And so I'm going to make a case for that a little bit this morning. And so let me give you a little bit of an outline of where we've been, where we're going, so that you kind of get a feel for the importance of these five weeks. Last week, we talked about when did Jesus live. This week, we're going to talk about where do we go to learn about Jesus and next week, we're going to actually talk about, well, what did Jesus teach? So here's, here's a little introduction. If you look at the story of Israel, the Bible, Jesus, going even to the Gospel of John, there is a firm belief that the, in the beginning, God created. There is this life. There's a creation story of life that moved towards love, that there was this beautiful beginning. Um, and when you and I begin to understand that Jesus had an understanding of love at the beginning and love as the narrative at the end, and it all hinged on him, I think you and I are going to begin to understand more clearly how to make sense of the Bible, how to make sense of the things that we know in order to be shared. Because along the lines, you and I have learned what unloving people can do in the world. You and I have learned how to ignore wise counsel. You, uh, we, we begin to see how injustice becomes more important to some than justice. And so there's so much that's gone on in the ways that we think, in the ways that we learn, in the ways. And Jesus says, he is the life. He is the truth. He was the love at the beginning. He's the love that makes it possible for us to get to where we need to go. And that is the premise for today. There's reasons for the scriptures that I think are important for us just to understand as we step into this teaching today. The first is, is that God is committed to communicating his love to all people in all places all the time. That is the heart of God. There are people that don't believe that's true, but God is committed to loving people in all places in all times past, in all times future, and that is the very heart of God, and it seems that Jesus believed that as well. The second understanding is, is that God was equally and is equally committed to entering our human experiences as one of us. So we have a God that wanted to be one of us, 
But when God did that, I think it's important for those of us that go to church or we believe in Jesus to understand this very important thing. God, first premise, God wants to love anybody and everybody all the time. Second, God wanted to be with us, so he was limited to a human body. So when you're limited to a human body, can you be everywhere all the time? No. So the understanding is, is that God was so equally committed that he became one of us, but because he chose to be in human form, he was limited to the people he could touch in a human body. So the conclusion of this narrative, if God loves everybody all the time, everywhere, no matter when, and God limited himself in Christ to being one human being, then the conclusion is, is that God must have a plan to pass his story on to all people. That is the only thing that we can conclude, is that God, if that is all true, has a plan for everybody to see his great love. So where do we go to learn about Jesus? I mentioned that relationships are important. We all learn in relationship. If some of you right now, you are a product of the family you were born into. Your relationship with your family or your experiences had a huge impact on what you currently believe and what you currently understand about the world. As much as you might think, you are not an independent researcher. There's not a person on the planet that thinks solely to themselves about every situation without no influence by anybody else. You, can, you are a product of every book that you've ever read. Somebody took time to write that book that you trusted enough to give your time to or that you were demanded to read that has shaped who you are and what you think. Our society is shaped by those things that are written. And let me just tell you this. For those of you that think I'm, I'm coming up with my own thoughts and my own ways, you will find that the people that you're reading on the internet wrote it. There are people out there that you're reading about. They are influencing us. And so you're learning out of relationship because something that you typed into the little bar brought up somebody that you now say, I trust, and they're now shaping your thoughts and your opinions. We all learn in relationship. We all learn out of places. Even if you are in a lab and you're trying to discover something new, everything that you're doing in that lab was shaped by people that went before you that they learned about to give you the lab experience that you're having today. Does that make sense? That was a lot of words. You should have seen Aida trying to translate that earlier. So, um, so we turn to people that have greater experience than we do. Can we just stop here just for a moment? No matter what field of study, no matter where you are, there's generally moments where you and I turn to people that have greater experience than we do. And so here, here's how I want to begin by answering this. For those of you that don't believe, where do we go to learn about Jesus? Let me just start with this, God's people. If learning is in relationship, God's people are where you need to start if you're going to understand who Jesus is. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy when he was a young pastor trying to lead a people and he was trying to help them see the importance of relationship. He says, God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. He was telling, Paul was telling Timothy, your people and the relationship that they have with each other and with God is the pillar and the foundation of truth. So you can't know about Jesus unless you know the people of God, the people that follow after Jesus. And Paul is telling this to a bunch of people that most likely had either themselves or had a relative see Jesus alive. So when God chose to be that one human in one place for a group of people, there are very likely people that are hearing these words or reading this letter that could say in either an elderly voice or saying, I, I remember when my granddad told me this, or I remember when my mom told me this, that the words of Jesus, and this would have resonated in them because they knew that they were asked to be the body of Christ, the manifestation of Christ in the world. And so Paul is telling Timothy, going from an older pastor to a younger pastor, the people that you are need to be God's people. They need to be a place where God can be trusted. The church, the people of God. 
God has always partnered with people to manifest his will in his way. God has always partnered with people. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, let me read this to you, verses 19 through 22. You are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which Christ himself, as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole body is joined together and rises to become the holy temple of the Lord. And in him you too are built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. So we, as a people that follow after Jesus, need to be a place that those of you that don't believe is a place where you can look to see and to learn about Jesus Christ because God, as we'll see in a few minutes, has always been partnering with people from the time Adam and Eve joined the, 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 the creation story to Abraham and his story, which we talked about last week. God has been looking to partner with people to continue to reach his love to all people in all places in all time. And so if you are not yet a believer in Christ, I just want to say, be around us, watch us, be in it with us. And then the second thing builds off of the question that Michelle asked at the end of our gathering last week. Well, where can we really go to see Jesus? Well, God's people and then what I refer to in this teaching as God's book. Some of you have heard it referred to as God's book. Some of you have called it God's book. We know it as the Bible, the Holy Bible, the scriptures, Old New Testament. There's so many ways that the Bible is described. But if you and I are going to get to know Jesus there is no greater place to find experts in Jesus than in the Bible. Because there are people in the Bible that actually walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, ate with Jesus, went on journeys with Jesus, spent time with him, and you can't get a more accurate picture of who Jesus Christ really is apart from the people that God's been partnering with and then the book that God has given us. And let me just say a couple of things. I believe that God inspired his community of people to document their knowledge, and then to return to that document to help keep them on track. That was the purpose of what we refer to as the Old Testament of Scripture, and that was also the purpose of the letters that we look at in the New Testament of Scripture. God had people write down what they saw and what they experienced and things that he wanted them specifically to say. I want to say to those of you that are skeptical about the Bible, let me just call out one thing that I've had in my conversations in a lot of the pubs around the city, that people that are against the people of God and are against the book that is representing God. They have so much lack of faith in the church. They have so much lack of faith in the Bible. And one of the things that they think is that the Bible was in some way written in heaven and descended as a complete book at one time because of the way the church has represented that book to them. And they have no idea how to use the Bible to begin to understand who God is, the story of God, the love of God, because of the ways many which in times the people of God have handled the book of God. And so this is my attempt, to those of you that don't believe, to relook at the people of God and to relook at the book of God we call the Bible. I believe that the Bible is dual-authored. Two authors. It's divine and it's human. Because, let me go back to all learning. Learning is based in what? Relationship. All learning is based in relationship. So now let me make a case for dual authorship. Divine and human. Because if you're an unbeliever, I think this is going to help you. And if you are a believer in Jesus, we need to learn to talk to people that don't believe in a way that helps them understand this good gift to us called the Bible. Divine, you'll find in Matthew 19, Romans 3, 2 Timothy 3, that there is a push by the writers of Scripture to talk about it being divinely breathed, that God met men and women and inspired them to journal their experiences with God. You'll find that Jesus himself said in John chapter 5 and in, in other places in the Gospels that the Old Testament were the very words of God. So you have Jesus himself saying that these are the very words of God. And then you have other places where Paul says the same thing to the early church. He said it to Timothy in 2 Timothy. Peter says it in 2 Peter in chapter 1 and again in chapter 3. And Timothy 
is encouraged to say that everything that they have in their Old Testament scriptures is profitable and inspiring and good for them. So there's an understanding by the writers in the New Testament and writers in the Old Testament that God was divinely engaging with people to give them good words and good knowledge and recording events so that they could continue to come back to it. And it was a divine partnership. No questions asked. God was involved. The humanist aspect of it, you can find in, the, in one of my favorite stories. In John chapter 20, you find that John, who's writing this gospel so that people will believe in Jesus, says to the people reading his letter, on the most important day, the resurrection, I raised Peter to the tomb and I beat him there. What does that have anything to do with the resurrected life of Jesus Christ? We get to understand the personality of John in his writing. He's competitive. If he was a pastor in Baltimore, he would play in city sports games. He would do football. He would do whatever else city sports offers, which is my brain just literally went blank. Because there's some crazy games that people are now playing that aren't common, like baseball and soccer and all that. But John would have been involved because he would have made sure Peter was on the other team. He wanted to prove that he was a superior athlete. We also find in Matthew that there's a place where he gave credit to Jeremiah for saying something, and it actually was Isaiah who said it. There's a place in Mark where Mark gives credit to Jeremiah, but it was actually Malachi. So do we take these scriptures and say, well, look, these guys made mistakes. Paul himself even said to the church in Corinth, I don't believe I baptized anybody there. But then later when he's talking to Timothy, he goes, you know what? I remember I did baptize people there. So there is a divine inspiration of Scripture, but then there's a human partnership with God that is involved in the Scriptures because God has always worked in relationship with people. And so the best way for you and I to understand this, I believe, is that we don't expect people to be perfect. Can I say this? Can you look at me and nod? Yes. I can't see your faces. Some of you have really good listening eyes but I really don't see your full body language. But let me just say this. People are not perfect. If you're in a relationship of any level with a roommate, um, a teacher, whatever, your husband, wife, whatever, if you're in a relationship, you realize people are not perfect. But God has chosen to use people in relationship. The imperfect people are used by a perfect God to point to a perfect message embodied in a perfect life. And that life is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Right? That is how we work through Scripture with people, is realizing that we are getting to know the people that we're writing because they were trying to be obedient to the words of God coming to them. So here's some quick facts about the Bible that is based in relationship. It is not a book. It is 66 books. If you were a part of our church back before the pandemic, there was one Sunday where I literally had 66 books on this table as a visual illustration of the fact that the Bible, God's book, is not a book. It is a library of resources. That library of resources has been written by over 40 authors over 1,500 years in 13 countries, on three continents, in three languages, in 10 different genres. History, poetry, law, parable, biography, prophecy, official church correspondence, personal correspondence, and apocalyptic letters. Like, there's 10 different ways in which the Bible library has been categorized. And it could be argued, for them, some of you that are really intense in your learning, there might even be other genres. There's, we divide it into two sections, an Old Testament section and a New Testament section. But you will find that there is only one message from start to finish. And that is that God so loved, showed his love, and it will end in love. That is the narrative story that you'll find in Scripture. And so when Jesus says to the Pharisees, these are the very Scriptures that testify about me, he wasn't lying. It was such an important phrase that both John, Matthew, and Luke include that phrase in their Gospels. 
So Peter goes on to say this, and Peter walked with Jesus. He says, I want to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So Peter is identifying that there is an importance in the Old Testament and there's an importance in the New Testament, the way God has divinely worked with people in relationship. And the best place to center this up is in the Gospels themselves. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So let me talk to you about these just for a minute, especially for those of you that are skeptical in the Scriptures. Because if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you're like, wait a minute, there are some differences in the ways they tell the story. Let me give you what I believe is one of the best illustrations to understand what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did. They didn't take a picture. They didn't carry around a camera and record everything. They painted a portrait. I want you guys to see the difference. An artist that paints a portrait takes their experiences and puts it on the canvas. They tell the story about how they experience those moments. And so you will find that you understand Matthew through the words that he was talking about Jesus and to the audience that he was writing to. You'll find who Mark is as an author and what his experience with Jesus was and who his audience was through the portrait that he painted of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Luke and John are no different. They were written in what I believe to be, with many historians, the mid and late first century, which I think this is so important for those of you that are skeptical about the Gospels. They were written within 40, 50 years of the resurrection of Jesus. So many things, this is so important. Um, it's very likely, from a historical standpoint, that the f- official papers that talk about Buddha were written 500 years after him. We're talking about 40, 50, maybe 60 years, the papers about Jesus are already circulating. And can I remind you, the people that were following Jesus were losing their life. So if something was written that was contradictory to the person they were following so much so that they were laying their lives down in order to bring his hope to the other people that God loved around the world, don't you think they would have said, wait a minute, Matthew, wait a minute, Mark, wait a minute, Luke, wait a minute, John, this has nothing to do with our faith. But yet they were finding that these words were written and encouraging them like, yes, that's what we've been taught. This is who Jesus was. This is helping us stay faithful amidst all the persecution that was coming our way. These Christian communities were already shaped and these letters that were circulating were helping them. Another thing I think is really important is that the letters that we've discovered that are so vital to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John were all written in Greek, even though Jesus spoke Aramaic. I think this is so important. Because of Rome and the way they had control, people held on to their native languages to speak in their home and in their communities to remember who they were. But they were forced to learn languages that were universal so that they could do business and communicate and travel and do things. I love the fact that the first words of the New Testament were already a translation. I want you to hear me when I say this is so important, especially for those who don't believe. They weren't going to Aramaic and and going back with a recorder and writing down every single word that Jesus said. They were bringing what they had heard Jesus said, and they wanted it to go to all people everywhere so that they would know God's love for them. And so they wrote it in the one language that was universal at the time. The intent of God's heart for people has been for them to know the people of God and to understand the word of God. And he's been running after people and getting it out to them since the day Jesus left the earth. So we're in the middle of the larger story when we come to Jesus. I had Albert create a slide. I don't know if we have it. We don't have it. Um, So let me explain it to you guys this way. It goes like this. In the beginning, it's a creation. There's a moment of salvation. Then there's a kingdom, which we know is Israel, that was supposed to be the people of God stewarding the word of God for all people in all places, then Jesus. 
And then after Jesus, we find that, that he's saying now, I have a new kingdom that is now bringing salvation and there is now a new creation on the end. So when you look at the story of the Bible, you're finding that it starts with creation, it ends in a new creation, that there's a kingdom, and a, a need, well, there's a need for salvation, there's a kingdom, and then there's Christ, and then there's a kingdom, and then there's salvation and new, new creation. That's the flow of Scripture. But it all hinges on Jesus Christ. And it says at the end of John, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So how do we approach knowing things? I believe that we learn in three different ways. Now, there is arguable there could be more. Some of you have done research on how people learn. But I've broken it down into what I believe is three simple categories. Because if you're going to learn about Jesus, I've got to figure out a way of getting you connected to a way that you're going to experience Jesus in learning. So I, I put it into three ways. Head, heart, and hands, okay? So there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of ways, kinesthetic activities, all these things that I think can fit into all of this. But let me start with the first, the head. I believe these are those of us that need to think our way to Jesus. You're intellectual. You think about everything. If you can't convince me and you can't logically come up with some stuff in your head, it doesn't matter anything else. It's all in your head. Like You think about everything. So let me give you what I believe are four things that I think will help you engage so that you can find and learn about Jesus. The first is approach the Gospels as historically helpful. If you are a thinker, I need your first thought to be, okay, what's the historic value of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And while you get there, then I want you to encounter Jesus as a miraculously relevant person. Experience him through those letters. Get to know him. See what he said and did to people in power and in the people that were under the, the, the hand of power. Get to know Christ, encounter him. And then through that experience, you're going to feel a growing in your faith towards God at work in the world. Let yourself experience that. And then the fourth thing, after you approach, approach, you encounter, you experience, I want you to trust in the Bible as divinely inspired. So that's those of you that are intellectual. Those of you that are heart, you're our feelers. You're the ones that feel everything. When you see people that are on the underside of power, it moves you to tears. You're emotional about it. You, want, you don't want to be lied to. You want to, be, you, want to, you want to feel your way. There's a great story in Luke 24. And this is, listen to these two people. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Feelers. But listen, do you see how they felt? relationship, walking with Jesus, talking with him, and the book. He was relational and in the book with them. And they said, man, wasn't our heart burning? So I want to encourage those of you that are feelers, get in a group with people in our church that believe and read the scriptures with them and the book with them and see what goes on in your heart. But if you're not there, you won't feel it. If you just stay out at a distance and you don't let yourself get in the middle of it, you're not even giving yourself a chance to discover it being true because you're a feeler. For those of you that aren't head, you're not heart, you're hands. Those are the ones that if, if, if you get in and you try it, you work with it, you, I live it a little bit, I try putting some of it, then you begin to find that you believe. You're the ones that open an Ikea box and try to assemble it without looking at the instructions. All right? So here, John 7 is for you. John 7. My teaching is not my own. Now listen to what Jesus says. It comes from the one who sent me. Now listen, this is crucial. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. So for those of you that are not sure you believe in Jesus, Join in with us to do what Jesus taught us to do and see what happens. 
you will not experience Christ if you don't do anything. If you sit back and do nothing, you're going to be left in the same confusion that you already are in about Jesus. And so partner with us as God's people in the good book, the holy book that we believe he's given us divinely in partnership, relationship with us. And let's try it together. Let's get through this together. So no matter which type of learner you are, whether you're a head, you're a heart, or you're a hand, I want you to put in some effort. If you put in no effort, you're not going to get the return that I think that you want. All right, Gallery Church family, whether you're online or here, do you not see why it's so important that we are the people of God? Do you not see why it's so important that you and I know how to talk about the Bible to people? Do you not see why the enemy has son, done such a good job to discredit God's people? Have you not seen why, do you not see why it's so obvious that the enemy has such a good, done a good job of discrediting the good book of God? There are so many people nowadays that don't even think the Bible is true or accurate. They don't believe, they don't understand the purpose of it. They don't understand the purpose of the church. They hate, they hate the church, which really means they hate the people. And we are no longer partnering with God in relationship with other people to help them to see the truth about the love of God expressed in Jesus Christ. So we as a church, Gallery family, must join in with what I've invited unbelievers to do. We must learn the will and way of our Father in heaven. We must do the will and way of our Father in heaven because other people's faith is dependent upon it. We are God's expression of love to the world around us. Let's be a display of Christ together. Let me pray for us right now. Father, I thank you so much for just the opportunity to be present in this moment together. I thank you for the ways in which you are using your, your people. And you haven't quit on us. Like, your plan is to use us and you're committed. You're all in with us. Father, we want to match your being all in by us being all in. It is not your problem to love the world. <laughs> you, want, you want us to love the world with you and for you. Like, Lord, we want to be faithful to that. And forgive us for where we haven't displayed your love. And Father, also forgive us for being careless with the good book, the Bible. Father, we have been careless with it. We've hurt people with it when in all actuality it was designed to love people. And so, Father, help me to walk with our church family to help us to be good stewards with our lives and the divine words that we've received from you. And also to enjoy getting to know the authors that were involved with you. And so, Father... For those that don't believe, Father, I just ask that you would help them to believe. And right now, I just want to pause for a minute. If you're one of the people that doesn't believe, I just want to tell you, whether you're a head, heart, or hand, you can just simply say to Jesus right now, I want to know more. I want to experience you. He'll listen to you. He'll help you. And if you are already aware that you want to be a part of his great loving family for the world, all you need to do is just tell him, thanks for saving me. I want to be a part of your family. I want to be a good steward for other people. I want to be a foundation for others to know the great love of God. And if you did pray that, we'd love to know it. We would love to join in with you in that, and you would let us know that would be fantastic. So, Father, right now we're getting ready to take the Lord's table together. And, Father, I pray that you would guide me now as we talk about it. As we talk about your body being broken, we talk about your blood being poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, and we talk about our lives as your people. Father, we want to be your loving hands in the world. Father, would you make it true of us that people can taste and see that God is good? As we're tasting this bread and we're tasting this juice, could that be who we are for other people? Father, we want people to taste and see that God is good. And we're thankful for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Guys, we're going to take a minute after the Lord's table together to just ask some questions if you would like. But if you did not receive one of these, I appreciate my brothers. If 
but I would love for you, if you feel comfortable um, raising your hand, if you didn't receive one, if you want to take part, uh, I would love. This is a statement for those of us that believe in Christ, or maybe you are wanting to believe. This might be one of the first things you do as an act of your faith to say, I do believe in Christ, and I want to join in with the church in doing this. But this is a very small expression of what I believe Jesus intended for it to be a meal, completely interactive, us coming together, talking and about Christ and engaging with one another in deeper, more than 60 seconds amount of time. But I would encourage you now to go ahead and take the, the lid off of the cracker side because this is a picture of Christ's body that's broken. It's a visual illustration for us. This is what Jesus did for us, but this is also our way of saying to each other, this is how we're to live. Our lives broken for others. Selfless living, not selfish living. And this is an example of that. So right now, as we do this, I would encourage you to just look to your left and to your right and just say this out loud with me. Um, uh, actually, I'll say it, and then you can just repeat, all right? You don't have to, it's like, how can I know what he's going to say? It's not on the screen. Um, uh, but this is his body broken for you. All right, and let's take this together. And then I want to encourage you to take the lid off of the juice side. Maybe just hold this up to one another. Because this is his blood when he passed this around to his disciples they had no idea what he was really saying when he said this is my blood this is a picture of my blood that's going to be poured out for you we now know but this is what it costs really to follow jesus we're going to be pouring ourselves out for other people and that is painful but this is how much he endured for us so that we could do the same for others so let's just say this to one another um, take this and remember that our sins are forgiven And let's do this together. All right. And we do join in with the long tradition of churches that have shared uh, out loud after the Lord's table of saying that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. It's our faith, hope, and expression of our love. So let's say that out loud together right now. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. All right, for those of you that are here, just take a moment. Any questions about what you've, you, you've heard from us today that I can speak to before I dismiss us with our benediction? Uh, Brian, we'll go Brian and then Mark. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Yep. Um, my response would be is why would we expect there not to be something if human beings were involved? It doesn't mean that it's not true because he actually does get a portion of Jeremiah right in the passage. He just let out with a Malachi statement and he put the two together. And so my, my, it's like we don't hold anybody else that we let speak into our life. We don't, we don't hold anybody else to that same standard of human perfection. Our, we let our professors make mistakes. We let our parents make mistakes. We let community leaders make mistakes. And we still stay involved and like there's got to be something I can learn. And I would just encourage people that come to me and take two or three small nuanced mistakes out of 1,500 years of writing where it is obvious that God has been doing a great work and say, well, I'm going to take these three little dots and make a big deal out of it. I would just say that is, that is, that is, that, that nobody holds anybody to that type of standard. Why would we do that? That would be one. The other response is, is that I would just say, um, I'm glad that God uses broken people because it gives me a chance to do something in this world with some great confidence as I'm, I'm continuing to strive to know God. I'm grateful Matthew took the risk I'm glad John took the risk to write something down for us. Um, so that, that would be part of the way that I would begin the discussion and wait for feedback from them. Mark? Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say initial response to that is, is that you can't go to other places in the Bible in regards to the subject matter you were just referencing and find where there's not um, unity and, and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Harmony and consistency. So if somebody is wanting to find another mistake, then, then the whole narrative then is thrown off because in the whole narrative there's, there's, there's continuity. There's not a change in theme. There's not a change in love. There's not a change in the fact that it was a waiting for Jesus and then a, a, a part coming w after Jesus. And so those areas are concrete. But then my other follow-up would be, is well, if your tension is in some of the intellectual nuances, then why don't you hang out with us and see how those of us that agree with the consistency live and then see what burns in your chest. You know, it's like, because if... You can't hang out with people that are sacrificial for others, that go out of their way to lay their lives down for others and not be overwhelmed by that type of living. And that's the consistency that should have been there all along. And that would be probably where I would start the conversation with people that are like, well, if there's a few smaller mistakes, then where are the big ones? And like, well, you can't find big ones because they're non-existent. And people have been trying for over 2,000 years to find them. But the air is always in the people that are trying to obey the book and not the book. Other questions or concerns? Yeah, Jen. Yeah. So here's, here's my response. For those of you online, um, Ginger, um, the most beautiful lady in the room, um, just asked me, uh, just, just asked me, um, what do we do then if people are, are in many ways still challenging that truth and are not easily like, oh yeah, that makes sense, good argument. They keep pressing. Can I, where did I start the entire teaching on today? What was the word I explained first? relationship you being right is not the most important thing you maintaining relationship is the most important thing um, our neighbors around us are not going to be one to us if they experience a posture in us that we are the we we know the bible we've got it right you've got it wrong you need to understand why i think the way that i think they need to be overwhelmed by our relationship of love and how we are giving a lot of room for them to find their way with us. And so I would say my initial response is love, relationship, uh, because that's the way the gospel of Jesus Christ touches all of the world, is through relationship and not through um, schemes of intellect. Anyone else? All right, that's great. If you have other questions or this environment is uncomfortable for you, you can come up to me afterwards. You can email us. You can use my social media to message me. Um, we want to make sure that we understand this together. So um, many of you are new to our church. Um, we want to be the people of God. And one of the ways that we organize ourselves so that we can be the people of God is in a small group structure that we call a growth community. And so today, you can find out more about that in two ways. One, you can meet Andre in the back. 
He's waving his hand. He, he, he welcomed you at the beginning of the service. He would love to help you get connected to one of our growth communities or explain it to you where we want to manifest Jesus. Another way is you can download our app. Um, in the app, there's a Get Connected button, and you can just click on that and follow the steps, and we will get information out to you. We prefer relational conversation, but if you want to engage us through technology, we would love to start with you in one of those two places, um, and you'll be hearing more. We're in a month where we're going to be talking about what it means to be the people of God. We call it a covenant family. Basically, we're a group of people that want to look each other in the face and say, let's display Jesus in our city together and let's hold each other accountable to it. So we're moving at the end of the month to an, a, a public agreement. And so you can find that in our app under the More tab. It's called a Covenant Family Agreement. I'd love for you to look at that ahead of time. Talk more about it next week leading up to the end of the month because I would love for us to experience Jesus together and walk with him more fully. And so... That is all that I have for you, whether here or online today. So let's stand and do our closing benediction. I miss the fact that we used to be able to hold hands. And as that one reporter who disguised themselves as a covenant family member for a month um, wrote about us online, oh, they end their service with a group hug. Um, I, I miss that. I wish we could be accused of that again. Um, so for right now, could we just like extend the hands towards each other, whatever posture feels natural for you. I'm a little sweaty, so this is as high as my hands are going to go. Um, uh, but here's our word. As we go from here today, may we remember that God has always had relationships with people because he wants those people to be his representation in the world. And may we also remember that God has given us a great divine source the Bible. And may we be good stewards with that so that people will know that the Father sent the Son and that the Son has brought life. May God's grace and peace be with you. you know, thank you guys. You don't have to run out. We're plenty of time. Linger, get to know Andre. Let's get you connected if you're new. Stay still long enough that somebody can talk to you. For those of you online, we love you. Thank you guys. Look forward to seeing you soon.